Chapter Nine of Jeremy by Hugh Walpole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nine: The Awakening of Charlotte. One. Towards the end of the first fortnight's stay at Cow Farm, it was announced that very shortly there would be a picnic at Raphael Cove jeremy had been waiting for this proclamation once or twice he had asked whether they were going to the cove and had been told not to bother all in good time and other ridiculous elderly finalities but he knew that the day must come as it had always come every year the picnic at raphael was always the central event of the summer and he had this year another reason for excited anticipation the wonderful charlotte lepage was to be present until now jeremy had never taken the slightest interest in girls mary and helen being his sisters were necessities and inevitabilities but that did not mean that he could not get along very easily without them and indeed mary with her jealousies her strange sulky temper and sudden sentimental repentances was certainly a burden and restraint as to the little girls at polchester he had frankly found them tiresome and stupid thinking of themselves terrified of the most natural phenomena and untruthful in their statements he had been always independent and reserved with every one and had never in all his life had a close friend but there had been especially of late boys with whom it had been amusing to spend an hour or two and since his fight with the dean's earnest he had thought that it would be rather interesting to make a further trial of strength with whomsoever girls were stupid uninteresting conceited and slow he never in all his life wanted to have anything to do with girls but charlotte lepage was another matter she had in the first place become quite a tradition in the cole family she was the daughter of a wealthy landowner who always spent his holidays in raphael she and her very beautiful very superior mother had been seen on many occasions by the coles driving about the glebeshire roads in a fine and languid manner a manner to which the coles knew very well they themselves could never attain then mrs cole had called on mrs lepage and charlotte had come to tea at cow farm this had been a year ago when jeremy had been only seven nevertheless he had been present during the first part of the ceremony and charlotte had struck him as entirely amazing he had simply gazed at her with his mouth open forgetting all his good manners she was at this time nine or ten years of age but very small and as they say of the most modern kind of doll perfect in every particular she had wonderful hair of a bright rippling gold her cheeks were pink and her eyes were blue and she was so beautifully dressed that you could not take in details but must simply surrender yourself to a cloudy film of white or blue with everything so perfectly in its place that it seemed to the rough and ready jeremy quite unearthly of course she had to be very careful how she walked when she sat down in what way she moved her hands and feet and how she blew her nose it was wonderful to see her do these things she did them so naturally and yet always with a sense of an effort overcome for the good of humanity her mother never ceased to empty praises at her feet appealing to visitors with isn't charlie too lovely to-day or 
really mrs cole did you ever see anything like charlotte's hair or just a moment mrs cole i'm sure you never seen such hands and feet on any human being before and it was impossible to tell whether or no charlotte was moved by these praises because she never said anything at all she was almost completely silent and once at the tea-gathering in cow farm when she suddenly said i'm tired mamma jeremy nearly jumped from his chair so astonished he was jeremy had during the year that intervened between that visit and this sometimes thought of charlotte and he had looked back upon her not as a little girl but as something strange fantastic wonderfully coloured whom it would be interesting to see again he wondered why mary and helen could not be like that instead of running about and screaming and becoming red in the face he said once to mary that she should imitate charlotte and the scene that followed was terrible mary from that moment hated charlotte with an overpowering hatred here this year they were again mrs le page with her long neck her beautiful pearl earrings her pale watery eyes and her tapering fingers charlotte just as before silent beautiful and precious there was again a tea-party at cow farm and on this occasion jeremy was asked to show hamlet but hamlet behaved badly trying to jump upon charlotte's white frock and soil her blue ribbons charlotte screamed exactly as a doll screams when you press it in the stomach and hamlet was so deeply astonished at the unexpected noise that he stopped his bad behaviour sat on his hind legs and gazed up at her with an anxious wondering expression in spite of this unfortunate incident the visit went off well and mrs cole said that she had never seen anything so lovely as charlotte and mrs le page says no had any one ever and charlotte never turned a hair the final arrangement was that there should be a picnic and soon because mr le page has to return to warwickshire to look after the estate so tiresome but i've no doubt it's all going to rack and ruin without him after the picnic had been arranged the coles were frankly a little uneasy the family of le page was not the easiest in the world to entertain and the thought of a whole day with mr le page who was a very black very silent gentleman and looked as though he were always counting sums over in his head was truly alarming moreover in the ordinary way a picnic which depended so entirely for its success on the weather was no great risk because the coals were indifferent to rain as all true glebeshire people must be but that the lapages should be wet was quite another affair the thought of a dripping mrs lapage was intolerable but of a dripping charlotte quite impossible moreover the plain but excellent food pasties saffron cake apples and ginger beer enjoyed by the coles seemed quite too terrestrial for the lapages mrs lapage and ginger beer charlotte and pasties nevertheless the invitation had been given and accepted the coles could but anxiously inspect the sky two 
There was another reason why Jeremy looked forward to the picnic with impatience. A funny old lady named Mrs. Henhouse, who lived near Cow Farm, in a little cottage all by herself, called sometimes upon the Coles and told them stories about the people and the place, which made them sit up in their chairs. She was an old lady with sharp eyes, a black moustache, and a double chin wore an old shabby bonnet grey mittens and large shoes which banged after her as she walked she leant on a cane with a silver knob to it and she wore a huge cameo brooch on her breast with a miniature of herself inside it she was what is called in novels a character there was no one who knew so much about raphael and its neighbourhood she had lived here forever her father had been a friend of wellington's and had known members of the local press gang intimately it was from her that jeremy heard in detail the famous story of the scarlet admiral it was of course in any case a well-known story and jeremy had often heard it before but miss henhouse made it a new a most vivid and realistic thing she sat forward in her chair, leaning on her silver-headed cane, her eyes staring in front of her, her two chins bobbing, gazing, gazing, as though it all had happened before her very nose. How one night outside Raphael Cove there was a terrible storm, and on the morning afterwards a wonderful smiling calm, and how the village idiot, out for his early morning stroll, saw a splendid ship riding beyond the cove, a ship of gold with sails of silk and jewelled masts as he watched from the ship a boat pushed out and then landed on the sand of the cove a wonderful company in cocked hats of gold lace plush breeches of red and shoes with diamond buckles the leader of them was a little man with a vast cocked hat and a splendid sword all studded with jewels the fool peering over the hedge saw him give orders to his men and then walk alone up the little winding path to the cliff-top straight up the path he came then right past the fool himself standing at last upon the turnip field of farmer ede one of the greatest of the farmers of those days and here he waited staring out to sea his arms crossed his eyes very fierce and very very sad then a second time from the golden ship a boat pushed out cutting its way through the glassy sea and there landed on the beach a young man very beautiful in a suit of blue and gold and he without a glance at the waiting sailors also slowly climbed the sea-path and at last he too reached farmer ede's turnip field then he and the scarlet admiral bowed to one another very beautifully very sadly and very very fiercely as the sun rose high in the sky as the cows passed clumsily down the lane behind the field so the fool with eyes staring and heart thumping saw these two fight a duel to the death there could be no question from the first how it would end the beautiful young man in his fine blue suit and his white cambric shirt had despair upon his face he knew that his hour had come and the eyes of the scarlet admiral were ever sadder and ever fiercer then with a sudden move a little turn of his agile body the scarlet admiral had the young man through the breast 
the young man threw up his arms and cried and as the scarlet admiral withdrew his sword dripping with blood from his body the young man fell backwards over the cliff into the sea then the scarlet admiral wiped his sword on the grass and slowly and sadly walked down the cliff path even as he had walked up he joined his men they found their boat pushed out to their ship and even as they landed upon her she had disappeared a moment later the fool saw the parson of raphael church coming round the corner for his morning bathe and two minutes afterwards nothing human was to be seen save the naked limbs of the parson and his little bundle of black clothes lying neatly upon a stone then the fool ran all the way home to his mother who was a widow and sat and cried and cried for the beautiful young man who had been slain nor would he eat nor taste the excellent raphael beer and he pined away and at last he died first telling this history to his mother who like all widows was a garrulous woman and loved a good story impossible to imagine with what life and fire old miss henhouse gave this history you could see with your own eyes the golden ship the diamond buckle of the scarlet admiral the young man's sad eyes the parson's black clothes when she had finished it seemed to jeremy that it must have been just so she told him that now on a summer morning or evening the scarlet admiral might still be seen climbing the cliff-path wiping his sword upon the grass gazing out with sad eyes to see jeremy swore to himself that on the next occasion of visiting the cove he would watch he would watch but to no single human being would he speak anything of this this was the second reason why he had looked forward so eagerly to the sea picnic three the day arrived and it was marvellously fine one of those days in august when heat possesses the world and holds it tranced and still but has in the very strength of its possession some scent of the decay and chill of autumn that is to follow so close upon its heels there was no breeze no wind from the sea only a sky utterly without cloud and a world without sound punctually at eleven of the morning the splendid lapage equipage arrived at cow farm splendid it was a large wagonette with a stout supercilious fellow on the box who sniffed at the healthy odours of the farm and stared haughtily at mrs monk as though she should be ashamed to be alive the coles had provided a small plump jingle with a small plump pony their regular conveyance the pony was bob and he would not go up hills unless persuaded with sugar but jeremy loved him and would not have ridden behind any other steed in the whole world how contemptuously the big black horses of the wagonette gazed down their nostrils at bob and how superbly mrs lepage sitting very upright under her white sunshade greeted mrs cole dear mrs cole such a hot morning isn't it lovely of course but so hot i'm afraid jeremy heard his mother say that your carriage will never get down the raphael lane mrs lepage we hoped you'd come in the dog-cart plenty of room superb to witness the fashion in which mrs lepage gazed at the dog-cart for all of us dear mrs cole i scarcely think 
and charlotte's frock then jeremy turned his eyes to charlotte she sat under a miniature sunshade of white silk and lace a vision of loveliness she was a shimmer of white a little white cloud that had settled for a moment upon the seat of the carriage to allow the sun to dance upon it to caress it with fingers of fire so to separate it from the rest of the world for ever as something too precious to be touched jeremy had never seen anything so lovely he blushed and scraped his boots the one against the other and this is jeremy said mrs le page as though she said and this is where you keep your little pigs mr monk yes said jeremy blushing charlotte you know jeremy you must be friends yes said charlotte without moving then jeremy tumbled into the stern gaze of mr le page who arrayed as he was in a very smart suit of the whitest flannels looked with his black beard and fierce black eyebrows like a pirate king disguised how are you said mr le page in a deep bass voice very well thank you said jeremy to tell the truth mrs cole's heart sadly misgave her when she saw the le page family all sitting up so new and so bright in their new and bright carriage she thought of the simple preparations that had been made the pasties the saffron buns and the ginger beer she looked around her at the very plain but useful garments worn by her family her husband in faded grey flannel trousers and a cricketing shirt helen and mary in the simplest blue cotton and jeremy in his two-year-old sailor suit she had intended to bring their bathing things in a bundle but now she put them aside it was obvious that the lepages had no intention of bathing she sighed and foresaw a difficult day ahead of her it was evident that the lepages did not intend to come one step farther into cow farm than was necessary dear mrs cole on a hot day how can you endure the smells of a farm such a charming farm too with all its cows and pigs but in this weather charlotte darling you don't feel the heat no hold your sunshade a little more to the right love that's right she was not quite the thing last night mrs cole i had some doubts about bringing her but i knew you'd all be so disappointed she's looking rather lovely to-day don't you think you must forgive a mother's partiality oh you're not bringing that little dog are you surely jeremy who had from the first hated mrs le page forgot his shyness and brought out fiercely of course he's coming hamlet always goes everywhere with us hamlet said mr le page in his deep voice what a strange name for a dog said mrs le page in tones of vague distrust at last it was settled that one member of the coal party should ride with the le pages and mary was selected poor mary inevitably chosen when something unpleasant must be done to-day it was especially hard for her because she entertained so implacable a hatred for the lovely charlotte and looked it must be confessed so plain and shabby by the side of her 
indeed to any observer with a heart it must have been touching to see mary driven away in that magnificent black carriage staring with agonized hostility in front of her through her large spectacles compelled to balance herself exactly between the magnificent sunshade of mrs le page and the smaller but also magnificent sunshade of the lovely charlotte mrs cole glancing in that direction may have felt with a pang that she would never be able to make her children handsome and gay as she would like to do but it was certainly a pang of only a moment's duration she would not have exchanged her mary for a wagon-load of charlottes and jeremy bumping along in the jingle also felt the contrast why could not mary wear her straw hat straight and why must she have elastic under her chin why did she look so cross and so stupid why did she bother him so with her worries charlotte would never worry him she would just sit there looking beautiful with her golden hair and blue eyes and pink cheeks next week was to be miss jones's birthday and in preparation for this he had bought for her in polchester a silver thimble he wondered whether he would not give charlotte this thimble instead of miss jones he could give miss jones some old thing he would find somewhere or he would go and pick for her some flowers she would be pleased with anything he wondered what charlotte would say when he gave her the thimble she would like it of course she would smile she would open her eyes and look at him fortunately he had the thimble even now in his pocket he had bought it when he was wearing this same suit yes he would give it to her as he decided this he looked at miss jones guiltily but she was making such odd faces as she squinted to escape from the sun that he did not feel ashamed they came to that steep hill just beyond garth woods and bob of course refused to move the superb lepage affair dashed past them shouted something at them and disappeared over the brow of the hill the last thing to be seen of them were the fierce despairing eyes of the imprisoned mary a strange sensation of relief instantly settled upon the coals for a moment they were alone they began slowly to walk up the hill dragging with them the reluctant bob about them was peace absolute and unstained the hard glitter of the day shone upon the white road but behind them the wood was dark and cool a green cloud against the sky behind the steep hedges the harvesters were moving in the air a lark was singing and along the ditch at the roadside a tiny stream tumbled and beyond these sounds there was a vast tranquil silence the coals moved up the hill very slowly only hamlet racing ahead to find spots of shadow where he might lie down and pant they would not confess to themselves that this promised to be the happiest moment of their day they went bravely forward on the bend of the hill the lepages were waiting for them what mrs cole had foreseen had in truth occurred the lepage carriage would not go down the raphael lane no it would not nothing would induce it to james said mrs lepage to her stout and disdainful attendant nothing ma'am said james dear me dear me said mrs lepage well then we must walk said the deep despairing voice of the pirate king 
and walk they did that walk was as mrs cole afterwards said a pity because it destroyed the lepage tempers when the day was scarcely begun mr lepage was it was quickly described not intended for walking strong and fierce though he seemed heat instantly crumpled him up the perfect crease of his white trousers vanished his collar was no longer spotless little beads of perspiration appeared almost at once on his forehead and his black beard dripped moisture mrs lepage with her skirts raised walked as though she were passing through the valley of destruction every step was a risk and a danger and the difficulty of holding her skirts and her sunshade at the same time and of seeing that her shoes were not soiled and her hat not caught by an offending bow gave her face an expression of desperate despair there was unfortunately one spot very deep down in the lane where the ground was never dry even in the height of the hottest summer a little stream ran here across the path and the ground on either side was soft and sodden mrs lepage struggling to avoid an overhanging branch stepped into the mud one foot stuck there and it needed mr cole's strong arm to pull her out of it charlotte charlotte she cried don't let charlotte step into that mr cole mr cole i charge you my child charlotte was conveyed across but the damage was done one of mrs lepage's beautiful shoes was thick with mud when therefore the party climbing out of the lane came suddenly upon the path leading down to the cove with the sea like a blue cloud in front of them no one exclaimed at the view it was a very beautiful view one of the finest of its kind in the united kingdom the high rocks closing in the cove and the green hills closing in the rocks on the hill to the right was the raphael old church with its graveyard that ran to the very edge of the cliff and behind the cove was a stream and a green orchard and a little wood the sand of the cove was bright gold and the low rocks on either side of it were a dark red the handsomest place in the world with the water so clear that you could see down far down into green caverns laced with silver sand unfortunately at the moment when the coles and their friends beheld it it was blazing in the sun soon the sun would pass and during the whole afternoon half of it at least would lie in shadow but the lepages could not be expected to think of that the basket was unloaded from the jingle and carried down to the beach by mr cole and jim jeremy finding himself at the side of the lovely charlotte was convulsed with shyness the more that he knew that the unhappy mary was listening with jealous ears charlotte walking like agag delicately had a piteous expression in her eyes as though she were being led to the torture jeremy coughed and began we always come here every year don't you like it yes she said miserably and we paddle and bathe do you like bathing going into the sea yes oh no mother says i mustn't because it'll hurt my hair do you like my hair yes said jeremy blushing at so direct an invitation to compliment mother says i've got to be very careful of my hair because it's my chief beauty uh, yes said jeremy 
i have a maid alice and she brushes a whole hour every morning and a whole hour every evening don't you get very tired asked jeremy i know i should mother says if you have such beautiful hair you must take trouble with it charlotte gravely replied her voice was so like the voice of a parrot that jeremy's grandmother had once possessed that it didn't seem as though a human being was speaking at all they were near the beach now and could see the blue slipping in turning into white bubbles then slipping out again do you like my frock said charlotte yes said jeremy it was bought in london all my clothes are bought in london mary's and helen's aren't said jeremy with some faint idea of protecting his sisters they're bought in polchester mother says said charlotte that if you're not pretty it doesn't matter where you buy your clothes they arrived on the beach and stared about them it became at once a great question as to where mrs la page would sit she could not sit on the sand which looked damp nor equally of course on a rock that was spiky and hard what to do with her she stood in the middle of the beach still holding up her skirts gazing desperately about her looking first at one spot and then at another oh dear the heat she exclaimed is there no shade anywhere perhaps in that farmhouse over there it was probable enough that no member of the cole family would have minded banishing mrs la page into the farmhouse but it would have meant that the whole party must accompany her that was impossible they had come for a picnic and a picnic they would have mrs cole watched with growing agitation the whole situation she saw from her husband's face that he was rapidly losing his temper and she had learnt after many experiences that when he lost his temper he was capable of anything that does not mean of course that he ever was angry to the extent of swearing or striking out with his fists no he simply grew sadder and sadder and sadder and his melancholy had a way of reducing to despair all the people with whom he happened to be at the time what does every one say to our having lunch now cried mrs cole cheerfully it's after one and i'm sure every one's hungry no one said anything so preparations were begun a minute piece of shade was found for mrs la page and here she sat on a flat piece of rock with her skirts drawn close about her as though she were afraid of rats or crabs a tablecloth was laid on the sand and the provisions spread out pasties for everybody egg sandwiches seed cake and jam puffs and ginger beer it looked a fine feast when it was all there and mrs cole as she gave the final touch to it by placing a drinking glass containing two red rosebuds in the middle felt proud of her efforts and hoped that after all the affair might pass off bravely but alas how easily the proudest plans fall to the ground i hope alice you haven't forgotten the salt instantly mrs cole knew that she had forgotten it she could see herself standing there in mrs monk's kitchen forgetting it how could she and mrs monk how could she it had never been forgotten before oh no she said wildly oh no i'm sure i can't have forgotten it she plunged about her red face all creased with anxiety, her hat on one side, her hands searching everywhere, under the tablecloth, in the basket, amongst the knives and forks. 
jim you haven't dropped anything no mum beggin your pardon mum the basket was closed so to speak closed it was no she knew that she had forgotten it i'm so sorry mrs lepage i'm afraid my dear mrs cole what does it matter not in the least i assure you in this heat it's impossible to feel hungry isn't it i assure you i don't feel as though i could touch a thing a little fruit perhaps an apple or a, a peach fruit why hadn't mrs cole brought fruit she might so easily have done so and she had never thought about it they themselves were rather tired of fruit and so oh i'm afraid we've no fruit but an egg sandwich eggs need salt don't you think not that it matters in the very least but so that you shouldn't think me fussy really dear mrs cole i never felt less hungry in my life just a drop of milk and i'm perfectly satisfied jeremy shall run up to the farm for the milk you don't mind jeremy dear do you it's only a step just take this sixpence dear and say we'll send the jug back this afternoon if they'll spare one jeremy did mind he was enjoying his luncheon and he was gazing at charlotte and he was teasing hamlet with scraps he was very happy nevertheless he started off so soon as he left the sands the noise of the sea was shut off from him and he was climbing the little green path up which the scarlet admiral had once stalked suddenly he remembered in his excitement about charlotte he had forgotten the admiral he stood for a moment listening the green hedge shut off the noise of the sea only above his head some birds were twittering he fancied that he heard footsteps then that beyond the hedge something was moving it seemed to him that the birds were also listening for something well it's the middle of the afternoon anyway he thought to himself he never comes there only in the morning or evening but he hurried forward after that wishing that he had called to hamlet to accompany him it was a pleasant climb to the farm through the green orchard and he found at the farm door an agreeable woman who smiled at him when she gave him the milk he had to come down the hill carefully lest the milk should be spilt he walked along very happily humming to himself and thinking in a confused summer afternoon kind of manner of charlotte hamlet mrs lepage and himself shall i give her the thimble or shan't i i could take her to the pools where the little crabs are she'd like them i wonder whether we're going to bathe mrs lepage will look funny bathing then he was in the green lane again and at once his discomfort returned to him and he looked around his shoulder and into the hedges and stopped once and again to listen there was no sound the birds it seemed had all fallen to sleep the hedges he thought were closer about him it was very hot here with no breeze and no comforting sound of the sea i wonder whether he really does come he thought it must be horrid to see him coming quite close and the thought of the fool also frightened him the fool with his tongue out and his shaking legs like the idiot who lived near the cathedral at home at the thought of this jeremy suddenly took to his legs and ran covering the top of his jug with his hand then when he came out onto the strip of grass that crossed the top of the beach he stopped suddenly ashamed of himself 
scarlet admirals scarlet admirals how could there be scarlet admirals in a world that also contained so blazing a sun so blue a sea and the gorgeous realities of the lepage family he arrived at the luncheon party hot and proud and smiling so cheerful and stolid and agreeable that even mrs lepage was compelled to say really mrs cole that's a very nice little boy of yours come here little jeremy and talk to me how deeply he hated being called little jeremy only mary and helen knew their eyes flew to his face to see how he would take it he took it very well he sat down beside mrs lepage who very gracefully and languidly sipped at her glass of milk how old are you jeremy dear she asked him eight he answered wriggling what a nice age and one day you'll go to school in september and what will you be when you're a man oh i don't know i'll be a soldier perhaps oh i'm sure you wouldn't like to be a soldier and kill people yes i would there's lots of people i'd like to kill mrs lepage drew her skirts back a little how horrible i'm sure your mother wouldn't like to hear that but mr cole had caught the last words of the dialogue and interrupted with but what could be finer mrs lepage than the defence of one's country would you have our young lads grow up faint-hearted and fail their motherland when she calls what can be finer i say than to die for queen and country would not every mother have her son shed his blood for liberty and freedom no jeremy not another you've had quite enough it would indeed be a disheartening sight if we elders were to watch our sons and grandchildren turning their swords into ploughshares he was interrupted by a shrill cry from mrs lepage charlotte darling do hold your sunshade up all the left side of your face is exposed that's better dear i beg your pardon mr cole but mr cole was offended i hope no son of mine will ever show himself a faint heart he concluded severely the luncheon in fact had been a dismal failure the coles could fling their minds back to luncheons on this same beach that had been simply riotous successes what fun they had had what games what bathes now the very sight of mr lepage's black beard was enough even jeremy felt that things were wrong then he looked at charlotte and was satisfied there she sat straight and stiff her hands on her lap her hair falling in lovely golden ripples down her back her gaze fixed on distance oh she was beautiful he would do whatever she told him he would give her miss noah and the apple tree he would a sound disturbed his devotion he turned both mr and mrs lepage were fast asleep four children whispered mrs cole very quietly now so that you don't disturb anyone run off to the farther beach and play helen you'll see that everything is all right won't you it was only just in time that jeremy succeeded in strangling hamlet's bark into a snort and even then they all looked round for a moment at the sleepers in the greatest anxiety but no they had not been disturbed if only mr lepage could have known what he resembled lying there with his mouth open but he did not know he was doubtless dreaming of his property the children crept away 
charlotte and jeremy together jeremy's heart beat thickly at last he had the lovely creature in his charge it was true that he did not quite know what he was going to do with her and that even now in the height of his admiration he did wish that she would not walk as though she were treading on red-hot ploughshares and that she could talk a little instead of giving little shivers of apprehension at every step i must say he thought to himself she's rather silly in some ways perhaps it wouldn't be fun to see her always they turned the corner round a projecting finger of rock and a new little beach white and gleaming lay in front of them well said jeremy here we are what shall we play there was dead silence oh, we might play pirates he continued i'll be the pirate and mary can sit on that rock until the water comes round her and charlotte shall hide in that cave there was still silence looking about him he discovered from his sister's countenances that they were resolved to lend no kind of assistance and he then from that deduced the simple fact that his sisters hated charlotte and were not going to make it pleasant for her in any way if they could help it oh it was a miserable picnic the worst that he'd ever had it's too hot to play said helen loftily i'm going to sit down over there so am i said mary they moved away their heads in the air and their legs ridiculously stiff jeremy gazed at charlotte in distress it was very wicked of his sisters to go off like that but it was also very silly of charlotte to stand there so helplessly he was beginning to think that perhaps he would give the thimble to miss jones after all would you like to go and see the pool where the little crabs are he asked i don't know she answered her upper lip trembling as though she were going to cry i want to go home with mother you can't go home he said firmly and you can't see your mother because she's asleep i've made my shoes dirty she said looking down at her feet and i'm so tired of holding my sunshade i should shut it up jeremy said without any hesitation i think it's a silly thing i'm glad i'm not a girl do you have to take it with you everywhere not if it's raining then i have an umbrella i think you better come and see the crabs he settled they're only just over there she moved along with him reluctantly looking back continually to where her mother ought to be are you enjoying yourself jeremy asked politely no she said without any hesitation i want to go home she's as selfish as anything he thought to himself we're giving the party and she ought to have said yes even if she wasn't do you like my dog he asked with another effort at light conversation no she answered with a little shiver he's ugly he isn't ugly jeremy returned indignantly he isn't perhaps the very best breed but uncle samuel says that that doesn't matter if he's clever he's better than any other dog i love him more than anybody he isn't ugly he is cried charlotte with a kind of wail oh i want to go home well you can't go home he answered her fiercely so you needn't think about it they came to the little pools three of them now clear as crystal blue on their surface with green depths and red shelving rock now you sit here he said cheerfully no one will touch you the crabs won't get at you he looked about him and noticed with surprise where he was 
he was sitting on the farther corner of the very beach where the scarlet admiral had landed with his men it was out there beyond that bend of rock that the wonderful ship had rowed with its gold and silk its jewelled masts and its glittering board directly opposite to him was the little green path that led up the hill and above it the very field farmer ede's field for a long long time they sat there in silence he forgot charlotte in his interest over his discovery staring about him and watching how quickly the august afternoon was losing its heat and colour so that already a little cold autumnal wind was playing about the sand the colours were being drawn from the sky and a grey web was slowly pulled across the sea now he said cheerfully at last to charlotte i'll look for the crabs i hate crabs she said i want to go home you can't go home he answered furiously what's the good of saying that over and over again you aren't going yet so it's no use saying you are you're a horrid little boy she brought out with a kind of inanimate sob he did not reply to that he was still trying to behave like a gentleman how could he ever have liked her why her hair was not so much after all what was hair when you come to think of it mary got on quite well with hers ugly though it was she was stupid 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 she was just like someone dead as he searched for the crabs that weren't there he felt his temper growing soon he would lead her back to her mother and leave her there and never see her again but this was not the climax of the afternoon when he looked up from gazing into the pool the whole world seemed to have changed he was still dazzled perhaps by the reflection of the water in his eyes and yet it was not altogether that it was not altogether because the day was slipping from afternoon into evening the lazy ripple of the water as it slutched up the sand and then broke the shadows that were creeping farther and farther from rock to rock the green light that pushed up from the horizon into the faint blue the grey web of the sea the thick gathering of the hills as they crept more closely about the little darkening beach it was none of these things he began hurriedly to tell charlotte about the scarlet admiral even as he told her he was himself caught into the excitement of the narration he forgot her he did not see her white cheeks her mouth open with terror an expression new to her that her face had never known before stealing into her eyes he told her how the fool had seen the ship how the admiral had landed then left his men on the beach how he had climbed the little green path how the young man had followed him how they had fought how the young man had fallen what was that jeremy jumped from his rock i say did you hear anything and that was enough for charlotte with one scream a scream such as she had never uttered in her life before she turned and then running as indeed she had never run before she stumbled half fell stumbled finally ran as though the whole world of her ghosts was behind her her screams were so piercing that they may well have startled the villagers of raphael jeremy followed her but his mind was not with her was he going to see something what was it who was it then the awful catastrophe that finished the afternoon occurred turning the corner of the rock charlotte missed her footing and fell straight into a pool 
Jeremy, Mary, and Helen were upon her almost as she fell. They dragged her out, but alas, what a sight was there! Instead of the beautiful and magnificent Charlotte, there was a bedraggled and dirty little girl. But also, instead of an inanimate and lifeless doll, there was at last a human being, a terrified soul. The scene that followed passes all power of description. Mrs. Lepage wailed like a lost spirit. Mr. Lepage was so rude to Mr. Cole that it might competently be said that those two gentlemen would never speak to one another again. Mrs. Cole, dismayed though she was, had some fatalistic consolation that she had known from the first that the picnic would be a most dreadful failure and that the worst had occurred. There was no more to come. Everyone was too deeply occupied to scold Jeremy. They all moved up to the farm, Charlotte behaving most strangely, even striking her mother and crying, Let me go, let me go, I don't want to be clean, I'm frightened, I'm frightened. Jeremy hung behind the others. At the bottom of the little lane he stood and waited. Was there a figure coming up through the dusk? Did someone pass him? Why did he suddenly feel no longer afraid, but only reassured, and with the strangest certainty, that the lane, the beach, the field, belonged to him now? He would come here and live when he grew up. He would come often. Had the Scarlet Admiral passed him? If not the Scarlet Admiral, then the other. The sea picnic had, after all, been not quite a misfortune. Jeremy had been made free of the land and charlotte charlotte had been woken up and never would go to sleep again end of chapter nine